Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Today, I want to start teaching on a very important subject that is a key foundation for the Christian faith. I want to teach on the subject of forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. I want to start by saying that forgiveness is one of the most misunderstood subjects in Scripture. Very seriously misunderstood. And because it is very much misunderstood, it is the most difficult command to obey. It is something that is difficult for people to practice because it is not well understood. And that is why I want to take my time to teach it very um, seriously. I've heard a lot of preaching on forgiveness, but as I study on the subject, one of my first challenge with a lot of teaching on the subject of forgiveness is that many preachers preach on forgiveness with the assumption that people already know what it is. And I think that the challenge with the misconceptions and the misunderstandings on the subject of forgiveness is because the understanding what really forgiveness is, many Christians still don't know it. So we're going to go through a lot of study. And so when I start, if you have questions on your mind, which I believe you will have, be patient until I'm done. Now, we'll start with a scripture in Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. You know, so you can imagine Peter, you know, I like Peter. He's a man of many controversies. So he comes to Jesus with an important question, probably early morning. And the question is this, how many times should somebody sin against me in a day and I forgive? Then he suggested an answer for Jesus quickly. He said, don't you think seven times is enough? I think somebody had offended Peter that morning, and Peter had counted a number of times the person had offended, and Peter had probably gotten to the number seven. And he was hoping that Jesus would say, seven times is enough. After that, you can retaliate. Now, you can also understand that Peter was asking Jesus this question because in the Old Testament, forgiveness was not one of the practices of the Mosaic law. Forgiveness was not one of the practices that the Jews practiced under the law. It wasn't there. So it's a completely new subject that Jesus had brought. And at the time, even though Peter had been practicing um, Judaism, practicing the law, he wasn't very familiar with a lot of things, and he wanted clarification. All right, let's hear Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, 
but up to 70 times 7. So Jesus corrected Peter and said, you can't just do it for seven times, but you just have to do it all the time. 70 times 7 in a day, it's a lot. It's about 490 times, is that right? Nobody can offend you 490 times in a day. So Jesus was just trying to say, all the time, no limits. Everybody say, no limits. Yeah, forgiveness has no limits. Um, Another thing that you will realize is that forgiveness is one of the subjects that has caused many Christians to be seriously exploited. Many Christians have suffered a lot because of forgiveness. People have been violated, abused, taken advantage of, because there are people who hide behind forgiveness to exploit people, violate people, maltreat people, abuse people, and take advantage of people. That is why the word forgiveness is something some people don't want to hear. But one of the things that you get to realize when you study the Bible very well, and I'm emphasizing the importance of studying the Bible very well. That is why in this church, I encourage everybody to read the Bible, the whole Bible, once every year. How many times? The whole Bible. Because ignorance of Scripture is very costly. And the reason why I take my teaching ministry seriously is because I don't want to see any Christian being abused, controlled, and taken advantage of by the Bible. You know, when you go to many of these um, spiritual churches, you will hear the Bible every time, but you will see a lot of bad things going on. You will see people being abused. You will see people being violated. You will see people being controlled. You will literally see witchcraft in a church, but people hide behind the Bible and they use it as a tool to control and manipulate people. And that is why you must be careful what kind of preachings you hear. Because there are some preachings when you hear it, by the time you finish hearing, you are in bondage. Now, any preaching that puts you in bondage is not from God. Because the Bible says, wherever the Spirit of God is, there is what? Liberty. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth to what? Set you free. Yeah. And there are people who will do everything bad. And when they are done, they come and take the Bible and they use it to blind you and to make you allow them to continue to take advantage of you. And I want to say that forgiveness is a very important thing. But the reason why it's in Scripture is not so that you can be violated by people whenever they like, however they like. So that brings us to the important question. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Very important. The definition is very important. Forgiveness means refuse to retaliate someone who has offended you. The natural thing to do when people offend you is pay them back, pay them back. But God said when people offend you, don't pay them back. Don't retaliate. Number two, 
Forgiveness means pardon people who offend you. What does it mean to pardon? It means to refrain from anger when people offend you. It means that somebody offended you, you are so hurt, and when you are hurt, you become angry, and when you become angry, you are directed by your anger because anger has a way of speaking to us. It directs us. It tells us what to do. But forgiveness means pardon people who offend you. Number three, forgiveness means withhold punishment from an offender. It means don't punish people when they offend you. And the most important one, forgiveness means release all feelings of anger and resentment against an offender. Sometimes people can offend you to the point where you don't want to hear their name again. Do I have any witnesses here? Yeah, people can be so evil in the things they do. One day I was counseling a lady whose best friend took the husband from her. Okay, so when I'm teaching forgiveness, I'm not talking about, you know, minor, no, there are heavy duty issues. There are serious issues in life. And sometimes in life you can go through really, really, really bad treatments. And the first thing is you don't want to hear the person's name again. Please don't, don't, don't go there. Don't try it. Because anytime you hear that name, what happens to you? Anger boils up. Resentment. Resentment means I don't want to have anything to do with the person. I don't want to see your face. I don't want to hear your name. I wish you were dead and you don't exist. And sometimes you can go to even to the point of wishing evil for the person. So every time you are wishing, ah, I wish, I wish you'll be dead this month. Forgiveness means you must come to the place of being able to release an offender. Uh, we'll read through two scriptures here for the meantime. Matthew 6 verse 12. Well, let's hear the teachings of Jesus. We are all familiar with this. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. He said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God in his wisdom knows that forgiveness is so difficult that he has to tie that command to how much favor people can receive from him. So Jesus was teaching and he said, if you want to enjoy God's constant forgiveness, then learn to forgive people. If you want to always enjoy God's constant forgiveness. How many of you know we need forgiveness from God all the time? So forgiveness, it comes with the understanding that you are also an offender. And the person you offend most every day is God Almighty. And when you have the understanding that you are not as perfect as you think, and if God wants to mark all your wrongs and punish you for it, you can live. 
And we are all alive today because God pardoned us. God had mercy on us. God forgave us and gave us another chance. Is that true? And Jesus said, for you to continue to enjoy that from people, forgive. That means anytime people offend you, they are putting you on the spot to retaliate so that you will fall short of receiving God's favor. Anytime people offend you, and sometimes the devil will push people to hurt you and make you angry, and when you become angry and revengeful, Satan has succeeded in putting you at a place where God can't continue to grant you favor because you are bearing a grudge. So one of the weapons of Satan to hinder people from enjoying God's favor is grudge. It's a weapon of the devil. So if you don't understand forgiveness, what happens to you is that by the time you finish getting over one grudge, somebody else has offended you. And by the time you finish getting over it, the devil has moved another person to offend you. So all the time, your heart is full of grudge. And what that happened, the people happily living their lives, but you are falling short of God's favor. So it's a strategy of the devil. Today's teaching, I want to lay very important foundations. So I want to take you through how this word forgiveness was used in the Bible. I want to start from the Old Testament. You know, the, the Bible was not written first in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So sometimes when you want to study certain important subjects, it's good, it's good to go back to the Bible, and not just the Bible, but to find out the original word that was translated into English and how they were used in Scripture. It helps you to get proper understanding of the whole subject matter. It helps you to see how the word played out in Scripture and the meanings it communicated from time to time. So there are three important Hebrew words that were, that were translated forgive. Everybody say forgive. Just like in English, um, you can either use the word forgive or what else? Maybe pardon. So the, the first Hebrew word that was translated forgive is the word shalak. And this, this um, um, word was used in reference most of the time to God. Because in the, in the Old Testament, people didn't forgive each other that much like God had to forgive them. So most of the times in the Old Testament, you will see the Israelites, you know, disobeying God's command, going into idol worship, doing all manner of things, and then at a point they will repent and God will forgive them. One of the words that was used in relation to God forgiving the Israelites a lot was shalak. It means to pardon somebody. Pardon means consider the person, give some consideration. It also means to spare people. That means refrain from punishment. The second Hebrew word that was, that was used to indicate forgiveness was kafar. The word kafar means to cover. It also means to atone. It is from this word that we have what we call the atonement. You know, the atonement was one of the 
sacrifices that was done for the Israelites once every year to grant forgiveness to the whole nation for a whole year. And during that particular sacrifice, the high priest goes to the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it is said at that time that the sins of the people have been covered. It's not erased, but it's covered. And sometimes the word cover also suggests an idea of overlooking an offense. Sometimes people do good to you and it causes you to overlook something bad they, they did. So sometimes the good people do tend to cover the evil they have done. That is why sometimes, these days is not that common, but in the olden days, anytime people have done wrong and they are going to plead for forgiveness, they carry a gift. It is said in those days that you don't go to ask for forgiveness empty-handed, especially if it's among married couples, especially if it's a man that has offended his wife, they will say that buy something that your wife likes a lot, and if possible, add money to it, and what happens? As soon as the woman sees the gift and the money, all the frown and the anger disappears, and suddenly she begins to smile. Because money has a way of making people's frown change into a smile. That is the meaning of the, that Hebrew word kafa. It means to cover. So it's like when, when the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat, suddenly God's anger and God's resentment against the nation is appeased. Uh, the third Hebrew word that, that means forgiveness is the, the word nasar. It means to take away. This word was also used in relation to um, how God sometimes dealt with the nation of, of Israel. It means to take away. It means to carry. This word nasar was used a lot in, in relation to the when the Israelites go to do what we call the sin offering. There were seven different offerings in the Old Testament. One of the offerings is the, the atonement, which is once a year. The sin offering is done periodically. When the Israelites, if you're an Israelite and you feel like you want to go and go to the tabernacle and perform a sacrifice to God, anytime you think you have sinned, you are supposed to carry a, um, a sheep, a ram, or a goat, and you give it to the priests, the Levites, uh, in the outer courts. But before they kill the animal, they will tell you to put your two hands over the animal and confess all your sins. And after you have put your two hands on the animal and confess your sins, they will take the animal to the altar, kill it, and they believe that the animal has what? Carried away or taken away your sins. And all those sacrifices was just a picture of how Jesus was going to die on the cross and take away our sins. That is why John 1, 29, John the Baptist said about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the, the word Nassar means to take away people's sins. It means take it away. It means the sin is no more existent. Now, coming to the New Testament, there are also three, three important words that was translated 
Forgive. Everybody say forgive. The first Greek word is charizomahi. Charizomahi is the same Greek word that we have, the word charis. The word charis is a Greek word which means grace. It is this same root word that we have, the word charisma. The word charisma in the Greek, it means free gift. So when, when the charismatic movement came, it is said to be associated with the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. The word charizomahi, it means to cancel a debt. To cancel a debt. It means to show favor. That means instead of punishing a person, you show the person love instead. It means to freely give. Freely give. You will see how these words will become relevant in a teaching later. The second Greek word that was translated forgive is aphimehi. It means to let go. It means to leave something alone. It means to detach yourself from something. You know, one of the things offense does is that it causes you to hold on to a grudge for a long time. It causes you to um, hold on to an offense. And anytime you remember the offense, you become very angry, and then you rehearse the whole thing in your mind, and you become, suddenly, your mood changes. You become angry against the person, and you think all over again about how that person must suffer for what he has done to you. And sometimes these feelings are very legitimate because whatever the person did is very bad. Uh-huh. But the word let go simply means God wants you to come to the place of letting that offense go away from you. And in the course of my teaching, I will explain to you why you should let some of this offense leave you alone. Yeah, to let it leave you alone. The third Greek word that is translated forgive is Apollo. It means to release something. It means to set free. Why is this word important? Because when people offend you, you hold them in your heart. You hold people in your heart. And some of you here, there are people you are holding in your heart for the past 10 years. A few weeks ago, I was chatting with some of my secondary school uh, classmates, and I was asking of a particular guy. I said, where is that guy? We had a senior. I've never seen any human being as wicked as that guy. And everybody said, yeah, 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 yeah. Where is that guy? I said, that guy made me kneel down from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on my knees. Very wicked guy. And as I was saying, the other of my colleagues also started bringing their stories, things he did to them. And you can see that suddenly all of us, our anger, very wicked guy, I'm, I'm telling you. Then I realized that I'm still holding this guy in my heart because of how I felt when I was narrating the story. But the interesting thing, we all can find where he is because people who are like that, they really don't make much headway in life. As I teach, one of the things that... Um, you will come to learn about forgiveness is that people are not worth a place in your heart. In fact, bad people are not worth a place in your heart because your, your heart is too, too much a good place 
for you to keep bad people there. So a guy who promised to marry you, you, you did so much for, for him. You know, I've spoken to a lady before. She supported this guy all through the university. The guy got a scholarship and went abroad and sent her a short message. I'm moving on. Eh, you are moving on. And now they are here, so you are moving on. Sometimes you feel like going to look for such people and use a hammer and hit their head. But if you understand forgiveness well, you will see that this lady can still find another good man somewhere better than this crook. You see, the issue is that this lady did not know she trusted a crook. So the first question I asked her is, do you think there's something you also didn't do right that brought us here? Is there something you also didn't do right? And anytime I'm counseling people who have been through some of this, and that's the first question you should ask yourself. Is there something you also didn't do right? And after talking with her for some time, I tried to make her know, I think what you didn't do right is that you didn't do due diligence to know whom you were trusting. You trusted the wrong person because we are taught in the world, not in the word of God. In the world, they say love is blind. It's not in scripture. It's not in scripture. It's only in the world and it is absolute foolishness. You don't love people with your eyes closed. You love people with your eyes wide open. Is somebody hearing me today? Wide open. So I said, maybe God doesn't want you to even marry this guy in the first place. I said, forgive him and move on also because whether you forgive him or not, this guy said what? I am what? Moving on. And let me say this. Many of you, people have hurt you and they have moved on, but you are still there. Where they hurt you, you are still there. Ten years, you are still there. You haven't moved. You haven't moved. Now, I also explained to this lady, the reason why you need to forgive this guy is that if you don't forgive him, the person you marry, you can never love the person. So this lady is going to marry a good guy and treat the good guy as a crook. Because in his heart, he's still holding on to a crook. Yeah, and that is why in this life, every now and then, people treat you not because of how you are, but because of their history. You can be a very good person and be treated bad by people. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what they went through. Some of you, you can never trust me. And I don't have a problem with it. But it's not because I'm bad, but because another pastor you trusted hurt you so bad that you vowed you'll never trust any pastor again. So I'm here trying to do my best. But your unforgiveness will make you probably unable to enjoy the best that God will want me to be a blessing to your life. You may not be able to enjoy the best out of it because you are still holding on to an offense. And there are many people who are married today, they cannot relate well with their spouses, not because their spouse is bad, but because of something that happened sometimes 20 years ago. 
20 years ago. There are many men who don't trust women. You know, that's why I tell people, if you are getting married, listen to people a lot. Listen to their stories. Listen, listen, listen. Listen a lot because it will tell you what is inside people's hearts when people are incapable of loving anybody. There are people who can never love people, not to know what love is. The Greek word that was translated, forgive, is what? Let go. Turn to the man and tell him, let go. Let, amen? Yeah, let those crooks and evil people, let them go. Amen? Let them go. Because if you don't let them go, they fill your heart with evil. And you, end, you see yourself pouring out evil to good people all the time. You meet very good people. In my lifetime as a pastor, I've, I've had very good church members, very good people. But I've also had seriously cynical church members. And I always want to guard my heart so that I don't treat good members bad because of one evil church member and how he behaved towards me. Forgiveness, put the Hebrew words and the English words together. Forgiveness means to pardon people. It means to spare them of the punishment they deserve. It means to overlook wrong. It means to detach yourself from the offense. Let the wrong people go. Release people from your heart. Let me take you through five important principles of forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is God's wisdom strategy for dealing with offense. Yeah, so offense will always come. That is the unfortunate truth. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it wasn't like that. In the book of Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is not possible. So everybody under the sound of my voice, I want to understand today whether you like it or not for the rest of your life. People will offend you. People will offend you. Even if you decide to leave town, go and build a cottage alone, no wife, no children, you alone, you will still be offended. You'll be offended by loneliness. You'll be offended by loneliness. Yeah, as long as you live among people. People offend you. People offend you at work. Not because you are bad, but that is life. People offend you at work. If you sit in trotro, people offend you. If you say, no, I don't want trotro because of offense, I want taxi. One day taxi driver will offend you. You graduate from taxi to Uber. Uber driver will offend you. So now I'll buy my own car. I'll drive alone, I'll no offense. When you get to the filling station, you want to buy fuel. Pump attendance will offend you. Or another crazy driver will cross you. Say, hey! Some of you, every day, you insult drivers. They will offend you. People offend you. When you get married, your spouse will offend you. When you have children, children will offend you. When you have friends, friends will offend you. There are people who don't want to relate with anybody again because of offense, of course, offense. So there are people who are, I walk alone. I live alone. But you see, if you are somebody who doesn't know how to relate with people, 
you are always alone, you are weak. You are very weak and vulnerable. Real strength is the number of people who stand with you the day you stand. That is strength. You can never achieve much by yourself alone. In fact, God said, woe betides him who is alone. So because of offense, God gave Christians a divine strategy to handle offense. Because our natural response to offense is what? We react. We what? We react. What does it mean to react? It means to do the same thing back. Reaction simply means the same thing in the opposite direction. Reaction simply means back to sender. The normal human response to offense is reaction. That means pay the person back. So you woke up today, you decide to be very nice, very friendly, very happy, very excited, and then you met somebody who frowned. And the next minute, you too, you are frowned. The person has just pressed a button and you are dancing. So forgiveness is God's wisdom. Everybody say God's wisdom. In the book of 1 Corinthians 1.25, the Bible says that the foolishness of God is wiser than man. The foolishness of God is what? Never forget this. The foolishness of God is what? Some people are not saying it. The foolishness of God is what? Anytime you come across a command in scripture that looks foolish, as foolish as it looks, I want you to still remember, it is wiser than the wisest wisdom of any human being. So God has a wisdom beyond human reason for asking us to forgive people. He has a, he has a wisdom for it. He has a wisdom for it. In the book of um, Matthew 5, verse 38, Jesus was teaching. He said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This statement is in scripture. It's in the Old Testament, under the law. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hit my head, I hit your head. You break my leg, I break your leg. You punch my eyes, I punch your eyes. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yeah, but there's something better than that. There's something greater than you break my leg, I break your leg. There's something greater than that. He said, verse 39, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. That means there will be evil people. There will be evil people. You can't, you can't do anything about it. In this world we live in, there will be evil people. Every family, there are evil people. Every workplace, there are bad people. Even every church, there are bad people. If you are a pastor, you must know this so that your heart won't break because if you are a pastor, you don't remember that not everybody in the church is good. You will be, you will be so angry until one day your heart will just explode. Boom. If you are in business, not every customer is good. Some customers, some employees, do you employ to your company, they will come and collapse the company. Jesus said, I tell you not to resist an evil person, 
but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. What was Jesus saying? Give people a second chance. That scripture actually does not literally mean allow people to be slapping you. Are you hearing me? Yeah, and if you are not aware that somebody wants to slap you, slap you the first time, please be aware and alert and don't let the second slap hit you. At least dodge it or block it. This scripture doesn't mean somebody slap you, just stay there and say slap another one. Are you hearing me? Yeah, Jesus was trying to say, give people a second chance. We'll talk more about this in course of time. Give people what? A second chance. And if anybody doesn't show signs of change the second time, it means the person will never change. Let me, let me go to the next point. Forgiveness does not suspend or overrule the principle of cause and effect. All right. So the number two principle seeks to begin to clarify God's wisdom for forgiveness. Forgiveness does not overrule or suspend the law of seed time and harvest. The law of cause and effect says that people reap what they sow. People what? Reap what they sow. So everything people do goes into their future and they reap it. The wrong things you do against people deliberately is a seed. The wrong things people do against you to hurt you, to cause you to go through pain, sometimes you cry, everything, it is what? A seed they are sowing. So God says, you go ahead and forgive them. Let them go and manage their own fruits because there's seed time and there's harvest. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Forgiveness does not overrule or suspend the principle of cause and effect. So this is what Galatians 6 verse 7 says. What does it say? Do not be deceived. Now why did the Bible say we should not be deceived? Because we all get deceived. Turn to them and tell them, do not be deceived. We all get deceived. Tell them we all get deceived. But don't be deceived on this one. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also what? Rape. Now, why the Bible said, do not get deceived? Because there are many people who have planned the wrong to do, but they have also planned after they've done it, they will apologize. If they are caught, they apologize. So they know it's wrong. They plan to do it. They pray they, will, they are not caught. If they are not caught, no apologies. But if they are caught, oh, but he's a Christian. We go to the same church. I'll just tell him sorry. But the Bible says that the reason why you should forgive people is because it's a seed they've sown. They will reap it. The evil you do to people, people will do the same to you and more. The Bible said, don't be deceived to see you there. You are so smart that you will hurt people and get away with it. Don't be deceived. So you can go ahead and forgive people because you don't want to hold them in your heart. I leave them alone because as long as they leave, it will happen to them. Not because you wished it for them, not because you prayed for it, because it's a law of life. And the Bible said, God is not mocked. You, people can be deceived. 
people can be deceived. And that brings us to the next point. In fact, this one and the third one are somehow interrelated, but I decided to separate them for clarity. Key principle number three, forgiveness is an expression of one's firm belief in God's justice system of the universe. Oh, I love this. I love this. Do you know, people, God has a justice system that controls the whole universe. In fact, there's a scripture that is not on my PowerPoint. I just remembered it. It says that the most high God rules in the affairs of man. Now, every nation has a justice system. What is the purpose of justice system? So that people can get justice when there's wrong. That, that is why if somebody does something bad to you, the law of the land says, report the person to the police and the person will be arrested. You don't have a right by yourself to punish somebody. If you catch a thief in your house, you are not supposed to beat him. You are not even supposed to touch him. That is the law. You are supposed to hand him over to the law enforcers, and they will take him to court for trial, and then the person will be given due sentence for his crime. That is what we call justice system. But you know what I like? Even though every nation has a justice system, God himself has also established a universal justice system over the whole, earth, over the whole universe. You know why? Because the justice system of nations cannot always be trusted. Do you agree with me? Sometimes you can, you can have a good case and go to jail because somebody is paying. Is it true? Sometimes a judge can be transferred because he's about to sentence somebody. There is no nation on the earth that has a 100% credibility in, of justice system. So God has established his own judgment throne over the affairs of this earth. So the book of Romans 12, verse 19, it says something very powerful. It says something very powerful. What does it say? It said, beloved, do not avenge yourselves. What is vengeance? Vengeance is you do me, I do you. That is vengeance. Never avenge yourself. Hello? But rather do what? Give place to wrath. What does it mean to give place to wrath? It means stand aside so that wrath can flow. So, wait, don't clap. So, unforgiveness make you stand in the way of wrath. Every time you are unforgiving, you are standing in God's way. He cannot visit judgment on your offender. Anytime you decide to punish people by yourself for the wrong they do, you suspend God's justice system from operating. And some of you, the reason why people hate you and prosper is because you are holding them in your heart. He said, give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So this scripture is telling us something very important. When God says, don't retaliate, He's trying to say, because that is not your duty. It's my duty. Why? Because God can see what you cannot see. And the Bible says, God is a righteous judge. So he's going to look at the merit of the case from heaven. He sees everything. 
what caused the person to do what he did? Did he do it intentionally? Maybe he didn't do it intentionally. Maybe somebody deceived him. Maybe God looks at the whole issue better than the way you, you can ever analyze. So God said, it is my duty to pay people back, to repay people. And God does it sometimes with wrath. Do you understand the word wrath? It means bad temper. I was trying to find out the meaning of the word wrath. It means what? Bad temper. Anger beyond the normal. Vengeance is mine and I will repay. So when you forgive people, you hand them over to God. Let God deal with them. And time and over again, I've seen God deal with people better than I can ever do. I've always been surprised how I forgave people and they still suffered. You know, I'll never forget this. I was pastoring in Jessica and uh, there was this watchman. We rented one of the district assembly halls for church and there was this watchman there. And I liked him so much. But he just hated me and hated the church. Later, I got to find out he was into fetish practice. And we go there, we are nice to him, I give him money all the time. But this man sometimes will lock the place up Sunday morning and go to farm. And when people go to go and set up the place, they have to now, instead of say, oh, I forgot, sorry, 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 but he was doing it deliberately. One day I got offended and I told him that you are an elderly man. I Those days I was even young. I said, I respect you a lot, but the way you are behaving is not good. I want you to stop the way you are behaving. He told people, he said, this small boy, I'll show him that I was here before he came. And when I heard it, I said, oh, what's the meaning of this? You know, and you know, when you are younger, you are not as mature as when you are older. Your propensity to react to issues when you are younger is sometimes not the best. Long story short, this man had a stroke. He had a stroke. And when I heard it, I went with my wife to go and visit him because seriously, I did not have anything against this man. Except that I told God what this man has said, he should do something about it. But when I heard he had a stroke, I knew exactly why he had a stroke. So I went to him and with my wife that day, he couldn't talk, he had a complete stroke. So I went with him, I prayed for him, I gave the wife money, I told him he would be well, I want to see him back. Seriously, I genuinely didn't have anything again. I forgave him from my heart. But a week later, I was called that he had died. Then I said, well, maybe, maybe I forgive him, but God knows if he gets well and comes back, he will do worse. I don't know. And in my lifetime, I've seen many, many, many people. That is why when people hurt me, I don't really hold them in my heart. I'm telling the truth. I won't mind you. God is the judge. That's my principle in life. God is my judge. Vengeance belongs to God. And people, you can't handle it if God wants to avenge you of your enemies. That's why I tell people all the time, don't hurt a child of God. Don't offend a child. A child of God who knows the Bible, don't hurt them. Don't conspire against a child of God. Don't wish a child of God evil. Don't plot evil against children of God. It is not only men of God who should not fight. Every Christian who has Christ in him, God is the avenger. And that is why you can learn by yourself to let go of people. Because it's a seed they are sown and God will not be mocked. He said God is not mocked. 
Because in church, sometimes you can see people, they are destroying you and smiling at you. They are killing you and saying, praise the Lord. Oh, everything is going to be well. And sometimes I say, hey, you think church is a joke? Church is not a joke. That is why many Christians don't enjoy the favor of God and the blessing of God. It's not only how long you've been in church. It's not only how long you pray. These are the little, little things that stand in the way of people. It doesn't matter you. You can be a man of God, a pope. God is not mocked. When you hurt a child of God, every time you say, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sometimes even in marriage, I see it happening. I tell people sometimes, I said, the way you are treating your husband is not good. I said, if you are not careful, your blessings are going to be hindered. The way you are treating your, the way you treat people, the way you treat people, you think you are smart. Maybe your wife is not smart. Every time you are deceiving him, you know, turning his, his head around and, you know, some people are simple-minded. They don't analyze anything they hear. People just befriend you and the whole friendship is fraud. There are people, are, the whole, it's just fraud. They just want to defraud you, take advantage of you, exploit you. You can't get away with that. If you don't, if you know the Bible, you should not do that. Verse 20. Therefore, because God has a justice system, he said, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Give him food. You want food? Be my guest. Eat as much as you can. And after you eat, continue to hurt me. No problem. And people, if you want to be a good Christian in your lifetime, I want to promise you, you will take care of people who will plan your funeral. Are you hearing me? Whilst you are feeding them, they are planning to destroy you. But you must not stop feeding them. Feed them. You know why? This is the scripture. This is the scripture. It said, if you feed your enemy, you are not stupid. You are smart. You are engaging God's wisdom strategy against offense. And he said, for in so doing, what do you do? You are heaping coals of fire on his head. How many of you believe the Bible? I believe Bible. I believe Bible. Some of you don't believe some parts of the Bible, like this one. You believe that if you slap your enemy back, it's better than allowing God to slap them for you. But your slap can never be stronger than God's slap. When God gives somebody, your enemy one slap, he will have stroke. I believe that's what happened to that, my watchman. God just gave me one knock, bam! And he never recovered, even though I forgave him. He died. There are people who shouldn't be dead by now, but it's because of this. You hurt God's people constantly, continuously. There are people who vow, as long as I'm alive, I will make sure I'll destroy the person. Hey, why do you talk like that? A child of God? You want to destroy a child of God? God will judge you. God doesn't play partisan politics. God doesn't take sides with you because you hate another church member. No. If you hate the, you hate the church member, God loves the person. I hope you are hearing it. You hate a church member. God loves the person. He doesn't care that you hate the person. He would rather begin to look at you with anger and say, I hope this guy knows what he's doing. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water. Because when you do that, you make life unbearable. You make life horrible. You make life terrible. Because do you know what you are doing when you treat your enemy good, you stand out of the way so that the wrath of God will visit the person. 
And today I pray for some, may God avenge you of wicked people. In the name of Jesus. May God avenge you of every enemy, every wickedness against your life. But I want you to live here resolved to just love people. Hold no grudge against people. Forgive people. Be nice to people who have hurt you. Because now you know better. They have sown a seed. Let them go and handle the fruits of the seed they have sown. Amen. Amen. Can I give you the last one? Forgiveness does not mean you should not be angry. Because if you stop being angry, you cease to be human. Jesus was angry. One day he went into the temple. He saw people selling and doing all manner of things. And he wasn't gentle. He drove them up, out and he whipped a few. Forgiveness does not mean you should not be angry. Forgiveness means that even though you get angry, don't allow the anger to make you to retaliate. So stop accusing people whom you have offended. Stop accusing them of being annoyed with you. In fact, if you are a very sincere person and very good Christian, anytime you offend people, you should understand that they should be annoyed with you. Are you with me? Sometimes you should even apologize to people and leave them for some time to deal with their hurts. Sometimes you don't apologize to people and expect them to just forgive you that day. Apologize and leave. You give them time to get over their anger because what you did is so bad. They are annoyed. So when people are angry with it, it's not ungodliness. It's just being human. So stop saying, that, oh, so this morning, are you annoyed? The person annoyed, respect everyone's right to be angry when you offend them. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. You have to be able to manage your anger and control it so that it doesn't find expression in retaliation. Yeah, so forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, every day you get up and say, oh, are you angry? No, I'm not. Tell him, yes, I am. Father, the way you treated me is very bad. I don't like it. And I think you should not continue to behave towards me like that. However, I forgive you. Because if I tell the person you are not angry, you are just encouraging him to keep doing it. And people, you are human. You, your tolerance has a limit. One day, you'll be surprised how you will rebel and be misbehave. Because you allowed wrong treatment to be sustained unnecessarily. Don't sustain wrong treatment in your environment. When people treat you bad, let them know I, I don't like the way you spoke to me. Yeah. I don't like the way you spoke to me. You don't, you, I don't like the way you talk to me. So if you want to talk to me next time, make sure you talk to me well or, or don't talk to me at all. That is, and please, you are doing it in a very good way. Because if you are saying I don't like the way, it doesn't mean you two, you should talk bad. You can't say you don't like the way somebody spoke to you and you two, you are talking bad. Teach the person how to talk well by the politeness with which you, but in the most polite way, let the person know, I'm not happy with what you did. So people have a right to let you know they are not happy with your behavior. And you need to know. I, I, I've been telling people, I said, when I teach conflict resolution, I said, you don't say sorry because you are wrong. You say sorry because somebody is offended by your behavior. Can I say that again? You don't say sorry because you are wrong. You say sorry because somebody is offended by your behavior. 
Sometime later, the person will get to find out that, oh, you are not even wrong. But at that very moment, as long as your action made the person offended, you need to say what? Sorry. Then you can explain yourself. And when, after you've explained yourself, the person will realize that, oh, you really didn't mean any harm. Then you have resolved the conflict. But when somebody is annoyed, and you are telling me to I'm not wrong, it's you that is wrong. And most of the time, that's what happened in marriage. Okay? That's what brings a lot of conflict in marriage. You believe you are right. Your spouse will believe you are wrong. And nobody wants to say, sorry. Boom. Number two, forgiveness does not mean you should not get offended. Number three, forgiveness does not mean be a victim of offenses. Like you allow people to treat you anyhow all the time. Because I want to tell you, you cannot do that for a long time. You are human. Forgiveness doesn't mean, you know, just give people license. Because that is what people look for when they are preaching forgiveness to you. Most of the time, when people come to their preaching forgiveness, they are just telling you, allow me to hurt you and you should shut up. And I want you to know, you deserve better than being treated anyhow. And there are some people by nature, it, it, they like to take advantage of people. Forgive people, but it doesn't mean make yourself a victim. Every day people treat you now, you say, oh, enyeshi, enyeshi. And yes, that's not good Christianity. Not, don't make yourself a victim. The last one, forgiveness does not mean people have changed. So sometimes you may have to forgive people, but you have to be careful with them. Because once the person hasn't changed, he will hurt you again and over and over. And he will do the same thing to you over and over and over and over. Sometimes you have to forgive people and distance yourself from them. It doesn't mean you hate them, but you want to protect your heart. There are some friends of yours that you have hurt you. Forgive them, but you cannot continue to be friends. You cannot continue to be friends. You know, one of my daughters um, had a terrible husband who abandoned her when she was going through a crisis. And sometimes, if you are fortunate enough to know people in a crisis moment, you should thank God. Because there are some people who hang around you only when things are good. That's why crisis is good sometimes, because it helps you to know that people truly love you. Yeah, it helps you to know that people will truly love you and the people you should trust. Because some of you here, if you lose all your money, some of the people call you your friend. They will never call you again. They will never pick your calls again. Some people hang around you because of what they can get from you. And that's not the people you should call friends. There are people who call you a good person because of what you give them. Stop giving it for just two weeks. You will soon start hearing that you are now become the devil. Because some people's definition of a good person is give me, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. So after four years, this lady has bounced back. Everything is fine. Business is doing well. Money has come. And then this man showed up. Guess what the man said? I'm sorry. Forgiveness is a very interesting subject. So now what should a lady do? I said, I don't know what you should do. But I will tell you the outcome of everything you do. Number one, take him back. He will leave you again when things go bad. I said, forgive him. Number two, you can forgive him and let him go and you'll be happy ever after. I told her, choose which of one you like. Because in marriage, you cannot always advise people. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Before or they've gone to tell. It was Pastor Uber who said I shouldn't take you back. And I'm advising people in marriage, I'm very careful. Because most of the time, people take back such people. Few people change. Few people change. That's why Jesus said, give people a second chance. 
but you should be able to be sure this person has changed. Sometimes people genuinely change, and you can tell that somebody has changed because the first offense, it was not deliberate. Sometimes people do things out of ignorance or out of influence. Can I say that again? Sometimes people do wrong out of ignorance or out of influence. And then they go back and reflect, and they're like, no, I was wrong. We've all done that before. You've done things, you realize, no, I was wrong. Is it true? Yeah. So when people truly change, forgive them, then you can trust them. But when you are not sure people have changed, forgive them, but you cannot trust them. Forgiveness is a command from God. Trust is a process. And until you are sure you can trust somebody, don't trust people until you are sure you can trust them. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.